Hey, JT. Yeah, just random noise. <laughs> How are you now, Jer? I'm doing pretty well. Having a fun day. How about yourself, buddy? I'll tell you what. I am. Uh, I'm in a good mood. Uh, it's been an interesting week trying to get ready for this podcast. I am so excited for what's coming right out of the gate. We're going to come in hot this week. I'm I'm pumped, man. I'm ready. Let's do this. Uh, I'm in too. Especially, uh, we were we were chatting about this yesterday. Wednesday was one of those like. I can't believe half the week's over and also a, oh my God, how is this week not already over kind of day? Yeah. And so I'm very glad to be on to the rest of the week and especially to this podcast. Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. There's something about this Monday off was like, I don't know, maybe it's because we live in a weird time now, but like that Monday off just threw my balance off this week in a big way. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it could be like, it was like the least Labor Day, Labor Day ever. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's I fair. Know. I think we need to move past it and, and just dive on into our awesome times. Let's go. I'm ready. So would you watch, JT? Now, would you watch is our segment where I pick a movie from my fond 80s memories and describe it to JT and see if he wants to watch it. And in most cases, my memory is faulty. And I'm just going to preface by saying today – my memory is as faulty as memory can be. So that's my little setup. And so last week, JT chose a little movie called The Philadelphia Experiment. Now, we're going to add one new thing to our concept here. We've decided that not just do I, ex- do I explain the movie from memory, also JT watches the trailer before the segment starts and writes down, let's say, one big burning question that he left from the trailer and we'll see if I can answer it. Now he doesn't know what I'm about to talk about and I don't know what he's talking about because I haven't watched the trailer nor anything about the movie picked in many, many years. JT, what, uh, I watched you watching the trailer and just laughing. Yeah. Give me that. Give me that high level. Gist. Was it just so schmaltzy eighties? What was the, what was going on for you? So aggressively schmaltzy 80s, which made me laugh a lot. The guy whose name I didn't catch, but whoever the main actor is, is doing like a weird Sylvester Stallone impression, I think. Like he's got this real weird cadence. Yeah. Um, There are some just inexplicable special effects. (laughs) Like (laughs) I didn't actually catch when the movie's from. It's clearly from the 80s. Like I don't know if it's early or late 80s, but boy, oh boy, was this like an aggressive trip back in the way back machine of like, Oh, this was made before technology existed. (laughs) That's about right. The movie was made in 1984. The title is the Philadelphia experiment, not to be confused with the Philadelphia story. That's a well-known movie or many other experiment related movies also well-known, but the Philadelphia experiment with a Metacritic of 44 starring a young Michael Paré, who children of the 80s will remember more fondly from a movie called Eddie and the Cruisers, which definitely belongs on this list. But I remember previews for Eddie and the Cruisers for like a year straight. And the song uh, On the Dark Side comes from that movie. Oh, really? The movie also stars a young Karen Allen, who's basically only known for her role in Robocop. And she's the sidekick in all the Robocop franchise. Uh, It also has a young Stephen Tobolowsky. It's his third movie. That's uh, Neil Knows Ned Ryerson from uh, Groundhog Day. Oh, who is also in Silicon Valley. 
Yes. <laughs> and something else we've talked about here too. He's, 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 a, he's a great, he was in a, uh, oh, that Robert Redford movie. I love sneakers. He's in that. Oh, okay. Too. Yeah. Uh, the movie was directed by someone named Stuart Rafili, who's also known in my world for a movie called ice pirates, which is on our list of <laughs> terrible eighties movies. But a movie you have a, an association for, I believe it came out in 1989, five years after a signature movie of its time. Oh, Mac and me. That's the guy. Yes. <laughs> As for the rest of the cast, I'm just going to go with no. Like, nope, <laughs> not at all. So here's what I remember about this movie. There's these military guys, there's an aircraft carrier, and through some kind of technology and or wormhole in the ocean, it goes back in time to the mid-1940s. But here's the thing, that's the wrong movie. That's a movie called The Final Countdown. And this whole time I've been thinking that's the movie I wanted to talk about. Philadelphia Experiment is a different time travel military sci-fi romp. And if I'm not mistaken, they actually go to the future, not the past. Uh, hijinks ensue. It's sort of one of those semi-romance, semi-fish out of water, as goofy as can be sort of thing. i really having a hard time with this one. They run into, I'm thinking, local authorities, maybe the U.S. government. I mean, it was the, it was, this is the 80s, so it could have been commies, aliens. I don't know. Uh, I mean, look, it is the 80s, so it might as well just been Schwarzenegger they were up against for all we know. Might as well have been. Anyhow, they're racing against time to get home okay. I think it's two of them and probably the partner guy loses along the way, just maybe gets in jail or dies. I don't know. And all I really remember is a gruesome ending is where he comes back in time to the eighties and like there's people melted into the floorboards or the ship or something. It's terrible. And it's shown with this weird filter. It's like an Instagram filter or something. And I honestly don't remember if he gets the girl or not. I'm going to go with yes. I'm going to go with he gets the girl, brings her back to the 80s, and everything else goes well. But back to Final Countdown, which is a much better movie, <laughs> which I think has Martin Sheen and 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 someone else. I want to go like a Kirk Douglas or, or um, Charlton Heston type. Actually, if memory serves, I'm going with Kirk Douglas. Anyhow, it's a it's an aircraft carrier from the 80s. It zooms back in time into 1941, 42. It's loaded with firepower. And they're like, we could go win World War II with this one craft. And they're like, should we do it? Should we not do it? Yeah, let's go do it. And they go off. And then another wormhole opens. And then they have back in, back in the 80s also. Uh, either way, it's military. It's tr- time travel. Nothing really goes well. That is the final experiment, Philadelphia countdown combination, <laughs> terrible 80s time travel movies. Now, the only trivia I got on um, that I thought was worth talking about is the Philadelphia experiment was actually written by John Carpenter. Uh, but our Mac and me director friend took nine rewrites later before actually uh, bringing that final film to, out. And Carpenter mostly disowned the final product. Wow. So, so JT, there you go. You got two movies in one. I feel spoiled right now. I feel really spoiled. Uh, so my my one big question, I actually have a couple, but I'm going to, the one sort of pithy one from watching the trailer is, does this movie hold the record for most test tubes broken in a film? 
because there is a oh, scene. There's like a lab scene. Yeah, yeah. Where this guy is just going ham at some test tubes for no apparent reason. Yeah. Wow. Uh, most test tubes broken in a movie. I mean, it's probably right. I mean, that's got to be up that's, there. There's just not a lot of test tube destruction in movies in general. And that sounds like the kind of thing that would have happened here because special effects concepts back in the day were basically like explosions and breaking, breaking things. Yeah. And test tubes break really well. So I'm going to go with sure. Okay. I like it. I like it. So my only other follow-up question quickly is would you from memory think that these Navy ships that I saw, I'm doing air quotes, right? That I saw are seaworthy. No, I think they are stuck to the dock or something. There's again, like okay. there's a lot, a lot of bad things. Things go wrong. This is a, this is your classic travel, travel from the eighties. Everything go wrong. Things break. Nothing. I would say not shipworthy at all. Okay, because like just just the very look, and you only get to see the boats for moments, but the the boats look unwell. They don't look great. <laughs> no, because if again, memory serves, they're doing this in an old naval dock. Like it's all a secret project, right? That goes wrong. I can clear up some of it for you because I did just watch the trailer, and you get to watch me watch the trailer, and you you are right in how you were wrong. Okay. They go forward and not not backwards. There's definitely a woman. One of the guys definitely bites it, um, and it looks really weird. Yeah. Uh, the movie you were talking about, the other one, The Final Countdown, is Kirk Douglas, Martin Sheen, uh, Ron O'Neill, Charles Durning. Oh. Like a pretty pretty big cast. <laughs> yeah. I, I, th- I think I switched to Final Countdown because I just remember liking it more. So, so, JT, would you watch either The Philadelphia Experiment and or Final Countdown? So... I would probably watch the final countdown. I can tell you definitively, I have seen as much of the Philadelphia experiment as I need to say. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I'm, I'm going to go try to find on the YouTubes the, uh, I'm sure we can find the, the people melting into the floorboard sequence because, you know, childhood me might need to get over that scene one more time. I'm not sure. Buddy, you got to watch that trailer. That trailer <laughs> is absolutely wild. <laughs> like it is, it's it's great if you walk into it with the idea that this is only going to last three minutes. But like it's it's worth three minutes. Four minutes would have been a stretch. So I want to go straight into the top five because we have a lot to cover this week. This is one that I was extraordinarily excited for because, as many people, if you've listened before, know uh, I'm a huge music nerd. So this week. We're going to do our top five favorite soundtracks. Now, there's a big distinction here, which, Jeremy, you can you can dive into because we went back and forth about. Sure. And, and by the way, you know, dad, dad joke, Jeremy, is very disappointed at not leveraging Final Countdown a little bit more in this whole thing. Not only is it a mm. song and it's been in movies and we're doing a top five list, it's, it's like a quadruple entendre. Yeah, no, that was just a miss. That was just a huge <laughs> miss. I'll I'll own that. Well, your kids are still young. You haven't really perfect. You haven't fully entered dad joke phase anyway. You got some time. I'm working on it. So the first distinction we made was: Are we talking about movie soundtracks or movie scores? And we're definitely not talking movie scores. We're going to save that for another time. Uh, although we're going to definitely geek out on that topic at some point. <laughs> and then while doing our research, we realized that 
first of all, there's some phenomenal movie soundtracks out there. There's like so many that we were really getting a little frustrated with how to get down to five. So we decided to divide it up yet again. In this case, it will be non-original movie soundtracks. What we might think of colloquially as compilations, um, but those with more purpose than just throwing a bunch of songs on an album per se. It's not now this is movie soundtracks 47. It's uh, <laughs> it's movie soundtracks compiled for a reason. And we include in that, so, uh, so as an example, Mary Poppins or the Disney movies where they're all original songs for the movie are not connected, collected into our list here today. Whereas uh, whatever wonderful songs are on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Secret of the Ooze, which I'm pretty sure has a Vanilla Ice. Oh, there's no pretty sure, friend. It has a Vanilla Ice song. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that would be a contender uh, for today. Yeah. Uh, and so moving into that. So the first thing that we need to tackle is the Shawshank. So for those of you who are new, the Shawshank test was established uh, when we did the most rewatchables, which is Shawshank is the most rewatchable movie. So if there's anything that is just so obvious, it needs to be stated this week. I'm, I'm interested to hear yours because I have one that is a kind of maybe not, but because we said favorite and not best, I actually am okay with no Shawshanks, but I have a feeling that won't be the case with you. Whew, that's a tough question because you're right. We've said favorite, so therefore the list is personal and therefore there's no definitive answer. But I actually have four contenders. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my top five list, there's actually four that are all possibly the Shawshank entry. And, and to be fair to that... To be fair. To be fair. They aren't necessarily specifically my favorites, but sort of somewhere between favorite and like a, a bit of a best of. Okay. I mean, the only thing I want to say in advance is if Greece is one of them, can we just take it off? <laughs> I've saved Greece for other lists, sir. But, you know, <laughs> I was going to mention it had you not. But since, <laughs> since you're going there, I'll skip along. So here's my, here's my, if I had to pick just one, the one that I would call, it, it would be my ultimate Shawshank for original, uh, non-original movie soundtracks, The Big Chill. Okay. I don't know if you know what's on The Big Chill soundtrack, but. I, I don't know. I can't give you a listing, but I've, I've definitely seen it. And it's not on my list, but this, this one doesn't surprise me because I know it's like in lore. I know this is one that was really meaningful to people. Let, let, me, just, let me just read you the songs really quick. Sure. Heard you through the grapevine, my girl, good loving, tracks of my tears, joy to the world, ain't too proud to beg, natural woman, second that emotion, whiter shade of pale, and then one song I don't, I'm not familiar with called Tell Him. I don't know that there's a like that's like the dream team. I mean, it's an yeah. amazing, amazing soundtrack. So good. They decided to release more music from the Big Chill, and that is. Bad Moon Rising, Wouldn't It Be Nice, Same Old Song, When a Man Loves a Woman, Dancing in the Street, What's Going On, In the Midnight Hour, Give Me Some Lovin'. Oh my goodness, did this movie yeah. have music. Okay, yeah. Listen, I think just, even without it being on my either contender or my top five list, I'm very comfortable putting that in a Shawshank because I don't think I realized just how deep it was. Although, I am going to come back to a re-release of a soundtrack because the first one was so good. Remind me of that. Cause I've got, I've got something for that later. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I didn't realize that that was, that was that deep. It's so yeah, I think that that's totally deep. fair. I also would argue it sort of closed the door on soundtracks like it. In other words, 
There have been many since then, and actually uh, two more from my list resemble it. And not, mm. not my definitive list, my Shawshank list. Uh, those are uh, the Forrest Gump and American Graffiti soundtracks. Funny, American Graffiti I had and struggled a little bit with because some of it I think was made for American Graffiti. So that was one that was an edge case where I didn't know if it was this or the original. I couldn't tell. Uh, and then Forrest Gump is just one of those just because of the time span. Like Forrest Gump is a, I have that on my contender pong. Okay. So these were my, oh my goodness, like the best of the best of the best kind of, kind of soundtracks that aren't the ones I want to talk about actually. Fair. But then I have one more. I have one more. Okay. And, and it's an interesting take. I, have, I wonder if it's on your list. Uh, Purple Rain. Okay. Okay. So I didn't research this enough. Purple Rain, I took off my list because I thought that a lot of that was made original. But you're shaking your head, which means that they made the movie because of the album not because they didn't make the movie as the album. I, I, to, be, to, be, to be fair. To be fair. <laughs> I can't speak to the actual timing and production, but I know that the album and the songs that came out came out as an album, and the movie with those songs also came out. So oh. I don't know if one begat the other. I would argue, I, I guess we could have probably Googled that. Anyhow, to me... It's funny because I wouldn't put this in one of my favorites. It's just this, like having Let's Go Crazy, When Doves Cry, Purple Ray. I mean, it's so amazing. So amazing. Prince is transcendent. Like he's, he's, a, he's a once in a lifetime, once in a, he's a generational artist. Anything he did was, was absurd, regardless of how interesting he was or wasn't in a moment in time. But yeah, I mean, yeah. And anything he touched musically was absolutely gold. So I'm, um, yeah, love love Prince and love that nomination for Shawshank. Although Big Chill, I think, has got to be the one because that's absurd. That I mean, that's an absurd list of music. Right? No idea. Yeah, none. I had no idea. All right. Well, let's do, so let's get into the top five. I think it's me this week. Do I start this week? You do. Okay. So I'm going to start then. Although I should say, so we'll still do the guessing game. We're going to do something a little bit different because this is soundtrack driven instead of giving you like a weird sort of like trivia thing, which is usually the third thing we make a guess. We're going to actually say an artist and, or a song or both. I'm going to start with mine. So this is the one that I wanted to Shawshank. And this might be a generational thing, but I think it's going to be clear to you that it would be on my list and it's going to make a ton of sense why. Uh, so this was August 20th, 2004. The actor I'll give you is, I'll give you Ian Holm. Okay. The artist, so it goes, it's a 67 on Metacritic, by the way. Okay. And the artist I will give you that was on the album was Iron and Wine. I'm really feeling like I should know this. You probably should. I probably should. I'm looking at my little list here. I, I, I keep go for it, man. You got it. Okay. Garden State. Oh, yeah. I had thought about this and it hit Pong. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Okay. 
definitely this is a generational thing, right? I was born in 85. So 2004, you're right in the wheelhouse of me like becoming an adult. This movie was sort of a transcendent thing for a lot of people of my generation for sure. This is a revolutionary soundtrack. So the way that you just mentioned the big chill changing soundtracks, if I go through the things that came after this in my Pong list, you can literally see the blueprint. For sure. This changed music in a bunch of ways in, in soundtracks. Absolutely. Listen to the artists in this. So Coldplay, Colin Hay, Simon and Garfunkel, and then most famously, The Shins, right? right? All very well known. This is where things changed, though, and this is what Zach Braff did that was different. Zero Seven, Nick Drake, Thievery Corporation, Iron and Wine, and Frau Frau, right? These were indie, independent artists, unknown, by the way, beautifully situated in the film. The way that Let Go is used in this is like mm-hmm. one of my favorite uses of music, potentially in any movie ever. Uh, but Braff just sort of made a lane for independent music making its way into this was an indie film as well. But this blueprint sold so well and worked so well. This is like a perfect soundtrack. Like it has the way that uh, something else that's on my list for later. But like the way that John Cusack talks about this in high fidelity of like comp- composing a perfect uh, mix, th- this is it. Like it hits with the beats of the movie. It hits with sentimentality. It hits with things that, you know, it hits with unexpected musically and how this tied in garden state is like pinnacle for me as far as like doing a collaboration soundtrack appropriately. And I couldn't love it more. Nice pick, sir. It uh, reintroduced me in in addition to some of the music that was new in that time. uh, It reintroduced me to only living boy in New York, which is, become actually one of my favorite yeah 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 it's a good choice it's a good choice i don't love the movie as much as i want to um but i like the music very much so from there i i you know i'm gonna fess up i i did my thing where i sort of cheat again it's fine well no i'm not gonna go with the cheaty entry yet (laughs) All right, I, I won't do this one first. I'll do this one. No, I'll go with this one first. March 31st, 2000. Oh, 2000. Okay. I'm guessing, this is, I'm guessing this is at least in your contender pong. It's got a 79 on Meta, Metacritic. Okay. A really good cast. And I'm just, I, there's no one even from the cast. I'll name Lily Taylor. Okay. Stevie Wonder's on the soundtrack. Is this high fidelity? It is. Oh yeah. So I just referenced it. So yeah, I mean, That's this why is I went with it. Yeah, this is, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, please go ahead. The floor is yours. Great movie. Great soundtrack that I think in a lot of ways has some similar concepts to it. Let me read some of what's on this album, but it's one of those where a lot of the names aren't necessarily well known. So we got Elvis Costello. We got the velvet underground. We got the kinks. We got Dylan. Then we also have like, the Beta Brand, we got Jack Black covering Marvin Gaye, Stereo Lab, and Stevie Wonder. It's all over the map musically, and that's part of what I like about it. There's almost no grounding theme to it. It's probably the ultimate example of the mixtapes they talk about in High Fidelity put to work, because the the arc of the overall uh, soundtrack's phenomenal. And then I also have a personal thing here, which is the song, I Believe, was actually uh, half of the of, of my wife and I's wedding dance song oh. because it's such a beautiful bit. Although I really don't like the ending of it, but that's a that's a bit of a nit on an otherwise great song. That's fair. Now with this though, I, this is where I sort of 
semi, I don't know, cheated a little bit. In my head, High Fidelity and Gross Point Blank are sort of sister movies. <laughs> okay. And I really went back and forth and had a hard time not picking the Gross Point Blank, sa- Gross Point Blank soundtrack. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's everything from like Violent Femmes yep. to The Clash, Faith No More, Guns N' Roses. So Blister in the Sun, I could see clearly now, Live and Let Die, Under Pressure, which by the way, that if we had to pick song moments in movies, that use of Under Pressure and Gross Point Blank is amazing. Uh, and ends up with ends off with Let My Love Open the Door, which is again, one of my favorite songs. So I had a hard time really narrowing down. If I had to pick just one, which technically I do, it's High Fidelity but I'm going to sort of cheat in a little GPB while we're at it. So both of those are on my Pong list. And the only reason High Fidelity wasn't in my top five is because I just use High Fidelity for top five for other stuff. And it's one of my favorite movies. And I kind of tried to lean more into my generational stuff. And to be honest, my my conversation with myself was it's either High Fidelity or Garden State because they did similar things. <laughs> um, interestingly, interestingly, you didn't mention my favorite song on the High Fidelity album, though, which is You're Gonna Miss Me by the 13th Floor Elevators. <laughs> That's a good song. It's also one of those few albums, like, it's really enjoyable to listen to start to finish. You know, there's... That's a lot harder these days. Which tracks, like, so that's called covering off in my world, if you cover off on an album. And, like, it tracks that you would have to be able to cover off on that particular album. Because that's the whole point of the movie is making the perfect mixtape. So you need to be able to flow in and out of songs. He has that beautiful three-minute dialogue about how to make the perfect mixtape. Right. Okay. So I'm going to go – oh, interesting. I'll I'll stay in like a similar time frame. Great. So August 6th, 1996. Wait for it. Wait for it. All right. Keep going. Uh, Robert Carlyle. Is the actor on? Oh, uh, yeah, it's Train Spotting. It's Train Spotting. Yeah, <laughs> that's in my pong list. Yeah, so this one to me is kind Great. of yeah. This one's kind of like a no brainer. Uh, so as you mentioned earlier, so this movie, the fan base for this album was so big, they released another album of songs that that's that right. were in the movie, ones that were supposed to be in the movie but were on the edit, the cut floor, and just stuff they liked that they didn't get to put in the movie. They wish they did, but. It's super raw. It, it matched the film perfectly. It's a really good back and forth of like classic rock and punk. New Order, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop, Primal Scream, Underworld. It totally matched like the sort of the visceral nature of the film itself, which is really fun. Uh, and just like love for life for me, every time I hear that is now train spotting. Like that's what I think of. I think of train spotting. For sure. For sure. So it's it's just it was a, again one of my favorites, Train Spotting, also like not a top five favorite of mine, but it's one of my favorites for sure. So this one just everything fits together really well. Ninety six was sort of a fun time. Blur, by the way, was also on this. Blur was the the artist I was going to give you. They're kind of a fun shout out. They had Song Two was like really famous, and then they sort of went away, but they oh, yeah. they still tour and stuff. So yeah, Train Spotting, nice one, nice pick. Cool. I'm going to stick with a similar vein of albums before I move to new in a new area. So September 18th, 1992. There's definitely no way that a, what is it? Seven-year-old JT saw this one in the theaters. Cause why would you? Okay. Keep going. It's got a 79. It's no Metacritic for whatever reason, but it's got a 79% Rotten Tomatoes. The cast. Who do I want to give you here? A Matt Dillon's in it. Oh, singles. As is built. 
Wow. Signals. So the, to be fair. To be fair. Uh, huge Pearl Jam fan, which is the only reason that I know this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of those, you know, hit that college age for me. The soundtrack, the reason I picked it is it, it was the first real introduction of like grunge, you know, Pacific Northwest music into super mainstream movie making and content. It's, um, it's, it's just a, you know, Chris Cornell like owns this soundtrack, but Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Chris Cornell, Paul Westerberg, Mother Love Bone, Soundgarden, you know, Smashing Pumpkins are on here. Mud Honey's on here. And, and even the Jimi Hendrix uh, track. Yep. That's a, that's a good, I remember listening to this throughout college and it almost fell off my list, but it's got such those memories for me. The songs are great. And funny enough, my, one of my favorite songs out there is from is, is Dyslexic Heart by Paul Westerberg, which is a little bit schmaltzy, but I just, it's so upbeat and poppy and it's such a contrast to the rest of the score, which is so heavy and, and, you know, broody. It's a very broody soundtrack. Oh, big time. Uh, yeah. With a couple of little poppy beats. So I like it a lot. Yeah, no, singles. So I couldn't tell you a single thing about the movie, but I can tell you a bunch of stuff about that album because I actually have it on vinyl still. And uh, Breathe from Pearl Jam on that album. In, in, in folklore, this is potentially the movie that wound up uh, getting Temple of the Dog together which wound up being the super group that had the big hit single with hunger strike, which was Chris. Hunger Cor- strike. Yeah. So Chris Cornell, Eddie Vedder, Stone Gossard, that whole crew. Uh, yeah. Th- this was, um, I was young for this generation, but really leaned into it pretty heavily uh, and was probably like a little bit wanted to be like a little gutter punk, even though I wasn't uh, great. Yeah. This is a great album. Glad you like it, sir. Uh, I'm going to go the opposite way because this is the, from, from broody to the total opposite of broody. So this is August 7th, 2009. Keep going. I'll give you a Chloe Grace Moretz. I'll give you Matthew Goobler as well. This is a 76 on Metacritic. Is it kick-ass? No, no, but fair. Uh, Uh, I I don't remember what she was in at that age. I'll give you another. She has a bit part in this. It's uh, okay. Here Comes Your Man by the Pixies. Got nothing, buddy. 500 Days of Summer. Oh, okay. So yeah, good soundtrack. Good soundtrack. Zo- Zoe Deschanel, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Listen to this just again. It's Unfortunately, nothing's going to be as good as what we started with with the Big Chill, but just for, for whatever it's worth. So Simon and Garfunkel, who just belong in movies apparently, uh, Hall and Oates also hilariously used in this movie for a dance scene out of nowhere, which was great. Uh, the Black Lips, which is totally fun. Temper Trap, which is a really fun Australian band that I've been a fan of for a long time. Feist, who's better known for the one, two, three, four, which was the Apple Nano commercial, but they actually are pretty good. They're like a fun band. Uh, she and Him, which is Chanel's band, Zoe Chanel's band. Regina Spector, who is the best Regina Spector is so underrated and is so talented. Agreed. Uh, And then ultimately the, a pivotal point plot point in this movie is the Smiths. Oh, the Smiths like just, just Morrissey. No one does sullen, sad boy like Morrissey does. He's just, he's the only one. He's the only one. 
I think on Wikipedia for Sullen, there's just a picture of him. It's just, yeah, there's no no words, just a picture of Morrissey. <laughs> Uh, the other thing I like about this, this is a good example of sort of mixing mainstream and lesser known artists, uh, good genre clashing stuff, which I'm a big fan of. And the, the generational bending, I think, was fun, right? Like you get the Smiths, which is like, a, oh, we're into old stuff. You get Simon and Garfunkel, Hall and Oates. Then you get Temper Track and, and, and Feist. Just fun. It's, it's a really fun soundtrack. It's all independently re- really good music, but also kind of ties together nicely as an album. Like you can kind of cover off on this and not feel like you're lost in the woods at any point. I like it. It's a good choice. Thanks. I think I'm going to have to up one of my picks because I'm worried if I don't, you probably are going to take it. And and I, I just don't think I can have that happen. And, and by the way, this is probably about the right time to say the quantity of movies that, that I want on this list. Like this oh. is a, this for whatever reason is a much harder limit to five. than I think even some of the ones that are like hardcore movies we love, because as we'll get to Pong, there's just so many picks that, that, that belong here just as well. Agreed. But going back to this actual list, so September 2nd, 1992. Okay. It has a 79 Metacritic. It is the 87th highest ranked movie on IMDb's all-time list. And because of the way that the album was re-released, I'm actually including an entire second movie. Because I can, because there's an official release, you can buy it. So there. On October 14th, 1994, with a Metacritic of 94, ranked 8th of all time on IMDb. This has got to be Godfather Part 1 and 2? No. Two movies by the same director. And they released the albums as a conjoined one, two-disc set. But they are two different movies, so I cheated fully. Oh, buddy. In the first one, we have... Let's put Steve Buscemi as one of the actors. Okay. And one of the songs is by, gosh, if I name any of these songs, you're going to get it really fast. I don't know. Magic Carpet Ride. From the second movie, we have a song by Al Green. And we also have, in the moment I do this, I think it's done, is uh, let's go with Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. Oh. Uh, you got to name both. So Reservoir Drives and Pulp Fiction? That's correct. Okay. They released the two as a two-disc set, and I'm going with it. Because I like cheating, and these two albums are amazing for a few reasons that I want to talk about. First of all, much like the other movies we've picked, they sort of created something. Right before Reservoir Dogs, you had never had these obscure 70s, not really that obscure, but sort of alt hits of the 70s on a movie soundtrack before. You never had these kind of movies. You had much more either like good old classic rock, uh, but you didn't have some of these not huge, but still pretty good hits all put together in a really interesting storytelling way. So Reservoir Dogs includes Little Green Bag, Hooked on a Feeling, uh, Magic Carpet Ride, Stuck in the Middle with You, uh, a few other great songs. And and the reason I, I, I have it in here is because I'm going to argue that Reservoir Dogs single-handedly introduced this concept that gave us soundtracks like Guardians of the Galaxy, which I wanted to put on this list, but I felt it was derivative of Dogs. And so I'm sticking with the OG. 
technically i think the gotg soundtrack just actually has a few (laughs) it has this and a little bit more yeah but it's just so good yeah and then um pulp fiction equally just equally equally strong so i cheated i hope that's okay of course. Are you okay with that? Uh, yeah, I love it. So Pulp Fiction, I had on my contender pong list and I had Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon by Urge or Overkill is like the, that to me is that that's the paramount song of that. For some reason, Reservoir Dogs didn't hit me as the same. Maybe it's just because Pulp Fiction from a timing in my life wise was more of like the movie, even though Reservoir Dogs, as my name is Mr. White, clearly plays mm-hmm. a role in my life on a regular basis. Well, the fun thing also about both is they use movie, they have excerpts from the movies on the albums, which I think do a nice job with the storytelling. The other thing that I thought was interesting is how Pulp Fiction basically revived a surf guitar, uh, which, you know, deserves a little nod out to um, a a music genre that probably on its own was, was just in in a small, had a small pocket of fans really hit mainstream with Dick Dale and Miserloo and a few of the other songs on there. Yeah. So Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Thank you, Mr. Tarantino. Yeah. And thanks, JT, for letting me cheat a little. That's a, that's cheating, but I like it. If you're going to cheat, I like that. That's how you should do it. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> My next one is October 12th, 2007. Hmm. You're not mad at me for that, are you, JT? No, not at all. Okay. Um, if anything, I'm mad at myself for not thinking that I... Pulp Fiction, I knew immediately was going to be a contender, but not a top five. I can't believe I didn't think to just go look at his like Kill Bill. I was going to put on my list, but I'm like, nah, it's not as good as Pulp Fiction, and so I probably should have looked at Reservoir Dogs. Though. Uh, I don't think I know. I don't think I know where you're going with this one. Keep going. Give me some more. Okay, fifty six percent on Metacritic. I'll give you Dana Fuchs. <laughs> is that a is that a singer or an actor? <laughs> this is the actor. Oh, but what about Jim Sturgis? Oh, okay. Give me a bit more. Okay. I'll give you the person on the soundtrack. This is a huge hint. Yeah. Eddie Izzard. I might not know the movie. Just go with it. What, what do you got? Across the Universe. Oh, I never saw it. Okay. It's the Beatles. Yeah. Covers. It's the Beatles covers, right? All covers. Yeah. Fiona Apple does one. Dude. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So talk to me. This movie, first of all, the ambition and the balls to write a movie around the Beatles and then not use any actual Beatles tracks. I will forever love the gumption that's that that it took to do this. That being said, the accomplishment here in being able to weave a fine story, by the way, it's fine. Like, but to weave a fine story exclusively around their music and not the way that they did with Hard Day's Night, Yellow Submarine, all that stuff. Like this was literally, they took the whole catalog, right? reimagined the songs in new experiences with new people, by the way, remastered and rewrote all of the music and then got after it. It is so impressive. And also it's the Beatles. So like the catalog is there. The version of Hey Jude is incredible. Eddie Izzard doing being, be- being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite is hysterical. Strawberry Fields was really good. Dear Prudence is a completely different take on Dear Prudence, which changes the song a lot. And it's really, really, like, I think great. Um, All You Need Is Love, they kind of kept the same. Uh, Help From My Friends, they kept the same. This version of Evan Rachel Wood singing Blackbird, my I've sang to my daughter every night of her life when she goes to bed. 
Mm. Most importantly, and again, like I'm a huge Beatles fan. My daughter's name is Lennon, not specifically after John Lennon, but the nod was intentional. The version that Martin Luther McCall does of While My Guitar Gently Weeps on This is soul crushing. It is soul crushing. It is not one of their more popular songs anyway. If you're deep in the Beatles catalog, everyone very much knows it. McCartney's a master. This version brought to like brought into the current world as he does it both from a guitar standpoint and also just his like raw powerful emotional voice even the way the film they filmed that scene cannot speak highly enough about the soundtrack so well done i'm going to listen to it on the drive home today sir you will not be disappointed just for that very beautifully said emotional uh uh discourse of what we were what we were just talking about i think that was beautiful and i want to give it a listen it's funny because i had this little subcategory and I ended up including none of it, uh, which was all the Beatles movies. Uh, it also had Yesterday as a thing to think about. But I realized, like, if I'm going to listen to Beatles music, most of the time I'm going to listen to the Beatles versions. Every now and then I prefer somebody's cover. There's some great, I mean, obviously amazing Beatles covers out there. But I also had in the same category as a, what did I think of? And ended up not including any. It was also Rocketman, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Mamma Mia. Yep. Uh, whether you like each of those artists or not, but same same shtick, but uh, but the Mamma Mia soundtrack is a problem because Pierce Brosnan just can't sing. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, you could have stopped it. It is a problem. <laughs> hey, now, don't be hating. No, no, no. I'm an All ABBA right. fan. I'm an ABBA apologist, but that, that soundtrack's a problem. Well, if we're talking about ABBA, I'm going to sort of touch on that time frame a little bit, if I may. Okay. All right. A movie that came out February 13th, 1998 with a 59 on Metacritic. Okay. Songs include White Wedding and music by the Thompson Twins. 98? Yeah. Like Wedding Singer? Yeah, Wedding Singer. That's right. Oh, okay. Wedding Singer, I went looking because I was thinking to myself of all the movies that might be set in and around the 80s, what really did the music well and wedding singer just kept coming to the top of my list both the way the songs were used in the movie like do you really want to hurt me was used so well in the movie and the fact that it's just a really good throwback to some of the best of 80s music video killed the radio star which kicked off the whole mtv generation Uh, i love thompson twins love billy idol got china girl from david bowie blue monday it's it's good stuff, and then it, it ends up with a uh, with a little rapper's delight. Perfect. Holiday Inn. Anyhow, yeah. uh, I can't. I, I love the '80s, and so this movie, which is not my favorite of either Barrymore or Sandler's work, it's a fun movie. It introduced a new new type of storytelling in a way, but just that throwback to the '80s was 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 just music to my little ears. Yeah, so this is definitely a generational thing. I, this isn't on my pong list, although totally get it. Like totally get it. Tons of great, tons of great, like genuinely great music in this. Uh, Never would have made a list for me, but I get it. I think I get it. All right. Fair enough. Okay. My last one is a, it is a genuine Christmas miracle that this movie has not made a list before uh, because it is an all time favorite of mine. So November 1st, is it a Christmas movie? It's not. No. Oh, no, no, no. So this one I've never mentioned on the podcast before, ever. In any of the 15 episodes, this has never come up before, which is amazing because I genuinely love this movie. It actually changed it changed the way I watched movies and expected. It changed what I expected of movies forever. 
I am so curious right now. Oh, you're going to be so disappointed. Uh, <laughs> November 1st, 1996. Okay. Uh, I'll give you, it's a 60 on Metacritic. Uh, John Leguizamo. This is way after Moulin Rouge. Well, way before Moulin Rouge, I think. I mean, yeah, before, sorry. Yeah. John Leguizamo, 96. Paul Rudd is also in this movie. This is after, before, is this Clueless? No. Is this before Clueless? Paul Rudd before Clueless. I got nothing right now. Okay. Butthole Surfers are on this soundtrack. Of course they are. Who else? What else? What? Give me one more thing. Um, Brian Dennehy is an actor in this. <laughs> no. No. What about, what about Claire Danes? Mm, still, I, I still have no idea what movie you're talking about. Okay. So this is the, this is Romeo and Juliet. Right. I never saw this. <laughs> I know oh. about it, but I never saw it. Yeah. Claire you Danes never saw it. Away. No. It, uh, I don't know. Wrong time. Okay. Didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally fine. So I was, you know, I saw this when it first, first came out and was like reading Shakespeare in school. I was 11 and uh, you know, Claire Danes was my first cl- crush ever because of my so-called life. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was a great actor and my generational actor sort of thing. Uh, but the the music in this and the way they modernize the story to fit today's world, right? This sort of dystopian world that they had created for the actual film. Uh, the music played a big role. Like it kind of needed the music to bring you present to make all the other stuff make sense. So Radiohead, Garbage, Everclear, The Cardigans, One Inch Punch, Butthole Surfers, very much like hey, it's 1996, everybody. Like, it it. really, really drove that home. Um, The movie was a moment in time for me. The soundtrack, therefore, became a moment in time for me. Uh, I can't believe I've never brought this movie up before. Like, I actually love, even even watching now, like, I I, I watch this every couple of years just because I'm like, oh, yeah, everything they did was with great intention. Even the stuff that, like, I don't like now, I'm like, but I get how that happened. And the music was so important to this film because without it, it wouldn't have landed present tense and it needed to land present tense and just the cars and the guns and stuff wasn't enough. So yeah, huge, like really big fan of this movie. And honestly, if you, there'd be a huge nostalgic riff for me if I put the soundtrack on, every one of these songs would mean something to me at some point. All right. I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm going to watch it, but uh, I hear you. It's, it's funny you brought this up because I had, when we first picked the topic, I had an instant choice and it was all nineties music for, for different nostalgia, but, but all nineties music for me. And that movie was Captain Marvel, which you might not think of, but if you, if you recall the movie at all for even a half second, the soundtrack's amazing. Turns out it's not actually a soundtrack. They didn't release it. So I couldn't put it on my list. Oh, interesting. You can go to, you can like go to Spotify and people have made like the playlist of it. Uh, so if you want to recreate it, it's there. But it was that say I was so disappointed when I found this because <laughs> much like you, I obviously have different types of nostalgia for the '90s. And when Captain Marvel came out, part of what I enjoyed about that movie was how much it puts you in the '90s via the music. Yeah, totally. So, so that would have been on the list. But instead, we'll go to my fifth choice: July twenty first, nineteen eighty nine. Metacritic score of 76. I would call this a favorite movie of many Gen Xers. One of the 
greater rom-coms of all time. And for a song off the soundtrack, I'm going to go with Don't Get Mu- Around Much Anymore. 89? 89. Is this like in the Tom Cruise Risky Business era? No, this is years after that. Oh, boy. So I'll give a couple more clues on the music. The music, Some of the music is by, although for the album of this, I'm going to disclose there was one artist who, who covered every one of these songs. But original versions by the by George Gershwin music, Benny Goodman, uh, Duke Ellington, uh, Richard Rogers. I am like totally lost right now. I know. The movie is When Harry Met Sally. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's one of the rare uh, jazz song scores, if you will. There's, there's a lot of movies that use jazz well. Um, obviously the new Damien Chazelle movies are, are phenomenal and, um, sneakers actually is all Wynton Marsalis's score, but no okay. songs. So when I was thinking about this, I can't tell you the number of times I listened to this CD and I'm saying CD on purpose because I probably have listened to this playlist many fewer times. Right. But if, if this, this was like Harry Kong Jr. was like, the artist of the early early 90s he was everywhere and i must have heard this album so many times every one of these songs is this movie now that i live in the new york area the movie hits again it was a college favorite uh jeff and tammy love it so you know there it is when harry met sally by by harry Connick jr yeah this is uh, uh the billy crystal rob reiner the cat deli scene right Oh my God. The mere fact that you have to reference it that way. We need, well, no, because, we, need, we need to do the generational thing here, buddy. Well, no, because listen, I was four when this movie came out. I love Billy Crystal, but also <laughs> like for some reason, this movie and sleepless in Seattle, which I know are totally different movies, but they get like, I, I do some, there's some crossing over in my head, even though I know they're definitely different and I've seen both of them for some reason, like those two, the two titles get confusing to me and I don't have that, a good that's reason. That's fair. Well, look, it's the same cast, so it's fair. And Sleeps yeah. in Seattle was like a spiritual sequel in so many ways. Okay. not Yeah, definitely not as good or iconic a movie. I mean, I, I would guess actually, depending on when you're born, like for, for many others, Sleeps in Seattle is probably the one. Uh, for for me and my folks, it's this one. So I remember Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail being the two big adult rom-coms when I was a kid. Right. Like those are the two that stick out. When Harry Met Sally became a rom-com to me as I grew up and like learned about other movies that existed when I was like an adult. And then obviously like one of the most famous scenes ever. Right. You got to go watch it some more. It's, I will. It's, I listen. Totally. All right. I, I actually, if we ever do start doing that generational thing, I would have my money on the beats being Annie Hall, uh, straight to when Harry Met Sally and then I can't quite figure out what the next big rom-com would be that, that fits the same level. Because for your generation, especially in your sort of coming of age time, you had kind of that, that endless list of like Jennifer Lopez, Catherine Heigl, like Jennifer Aniston, yeah, yeah uh, Kate Hudson, Matthew McConaughey, it, Fool's Gold, Failure to Launch. Like there's a hundred of the same movies. Right. And they're they're not signature in any way. Like I can understand you blending a couple like this and Sleepless in Seattle. I can understand why you blend those together. Um, 
I can't, I can't really forgive it, but I can understand it. <laughs> Listen, uh, my rom com, my rom com was my girl. Just so we're clear. <laughs> ah, with Danny Aykroyd. Yeah, that's right. Among other people. All right. Well, fun list. So let's move on to uh, to our pong. JT, you want to tell us a bit about pong? Yeah, so every every week we're going to do contender pong, which is stuff that was just, you know, sometimes it might be just on the outside. Sometimes it might be way on the outside, depending on the list. This one in particular, I think both for Jeremy and I, I could have, this list could have been thir- like 60 different things long. I actually tried, I had to edit my pong list down to 25. And I have since crossed a couple off during the conversation, but like, there's a whole bunch. But we're also, to try to make this fun, we're going to make this a little bit of a game again. We're going to be quick, but we're going to just throw out uh, the... the. Do we want to do dates or do you just want to do... Stra- we'll just do straight up song. So artist, song, and then the person gets one guess if they can name the movie. Oh, I've just got song. I didn't even write down artist. Yeah, that's fine. Song's good too. All right. I'll start. All right. My song is Ooh La La. Oh, God. I don't know. Uh, from the Rushmore soundtrack, which was the very oh. next one on my list. Literally, it was the when I told you I was struggling with a couple, it was Rushmore. So, you know, what's funny is I have Rushmore, but the one I would have picked was nothing in this world is going to stop me from my girl from the Kinks. Nice. <laughs> uh, okay. How about Beyond the Sea by Bobby Darin? LA, LA Story? Uh, Goodfellas. Uh, uh, All My Days by Alexi Murdoch. Ooh. Oh, I got nothing. Movie's called Away We Go with John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. It's, it's a decent, it's a decent uh, broody rom com from the two thousands. The soundtrack's amazing by this guy Alexi Murdoch, who I've now is in all my playlists. Interesting. You had me at John Krasinski and lost me at Maya Rudolph. Uh, let's do Mama Don't Take No Mess by DJ Pooh. Is that from Do the Right Thing? No, uh, Boys in the Hood. Close. Okay. Okay. Close. I've been, I have been looking at all of those soundtracks, uh, but the truth is in each case, I only like a couple of songs, not quite enough for me to be like, oh, I have to listen to all of that again. Um, yeah. Driving Sideways by Amy Mann. And I'll Ooh. give you a second one, Logical Song. Oh, I'm going to be sad that I don't get this one, but I'm not going to get this one. I think this is your wheelhouse too. It's Magnolia. Oh, oh yeah. I should have known that. Yeah. Okay. This one I think should be easy. Sunflower by Post Malone. No, no idea. Really? Into the Spider-Verse. This is the song that uh, uh, the, that he that he sings in the actual room. And it's a great, it's actually a really good album. All right. I've listened to the album a few times, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know which of the artists are which. Sorry. Okay. Um, this might be easy. Uh, you and me and the bottle makes three tonight. No, not easy. Swingers. Oh, JP. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Also, by the way, a strong contender for my list. Just, just same everything i can't believe i don't have swingers on this list oh that's a bummer it is okay let's do my lowest my lowest metacritic rank of all of the movies on here uh girl like you by edwin collins uh 90s 90s (laughs) i'm not gonna go with my standard guess what you got uh it's uh empire records oh okay I really like this movie, and it has a 30 on Metacritic. That's all right. We all have a couple of those. Uh, Minnie the Moocher. Oh, I don't know. Or Give Me Some Lovin'. Blues Brothers. Oh, Blues Blues Brothers. Brothers. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, let's do Shoot 'em Up by Cypress Hill. <laughs> uh, that's going to be mid '90s stuff. Uh, probably some action. No. So this uh, is '92. Nine, it's uh, Tupac was in this movie. It's called Juice. Oh, interesting choice. All right. Yeah. Mustang yeah. Sally. Oh, t- oh, I want to say Top Gun, but that's not what I mean. Oh, I can see like a I can see an late '80s movie right now, but I can't. Put the commitments. Together. The commitments. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh, the soundtrack's phenomenal. The movie's fine. Uh, it's by the same guy who did um, Falling Slowly. Uh, oh. Once. You know the once? Yeah, Glenn Hansford. Glenn yeah, Hansford. so he did The Commitments like 20 years earlier. You could argue Once is almost a weird sequel in a way. Go on. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's do I'm Waiting for the Man. And it's uh, it was Bowie, and it was Bowie live in Santa Monica from 72. Jesus. Uh, no idea. Uh, almost famous. This almost made my list. Oh, I had uh, where's my almost famous entry? I had Tiny Dancer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's just, well, you know, a little obvious, but Tiny Dancer is a better pick for that movie. I'm waiting for the man from Bowie is more of like my music nerdy Bowie stuff showing. Fair enough. Uh, the one you'll absolutely not get, Buena Sera by Louis Prima. Louis Prima. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Big Night. It's a quirky little indie film from the late '90s about just a homemade, just a, a small Italian restaurant with a phenomenal soundtrack of like old school and Italian music. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's go with Piazza, New York Catcher by Bell and Sebastian. <laughs> no idea. This is from Juno. <laughs> uh, all right. Everybody knows by Leonard Cohen, covered by Concrete Blonde. I, I so I know this song and I know this co- obviously I know the song but I know this exact cover but I don't know I didn't know it was in a movie. Pump up the volume, Christian Slater. Oh wow, I haven't thought of that or Christian Slater in a very long time. I actually this was a contender for a while and then I kind of looked at the music one more time. I was like, you know, I like a couple of these, but this is more nostalgic love than actual love. So let's stay right in that vein. Paradise City by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Uh, I know which movie. I think I know which movie you're thinking of. It's uh, it's one of the educational ones, like Stand and Deliver, but the other one? Stand- no. Uh, no? Lean on no. me. No? That's a good guess, because I think it might have been in that too, but I'm personally referencing, speaking of nostalgia, Can't Hardly Wait, which you didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Nowhere to Run To by Martha and the Vandals. Love that song. No idea. Good Morning Vietnam. Which oh, also wow. fits... Yeah. That soundtrack's probably really good. It, it is really good, but when I already was talking about Big Chill and already talking about Forrest Gump and already talking about American Graffiti, Good Morning Vietnam is a far distant fourth compared to those. But yeah. it's still amazing. Fair. Uh, let's do... I'm going to do this anyway. Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. Wayne's World? Guardians of the Galaxy. I know we already talked about it. I want to say it again. That's a great album. <laughs> That's cool. I I had Ooh Child for That's my the, Guardians of the Galaxy one. So I went with Spirit of the Sky because I thought Ooh Child was more on the nose. <laughs> nice. Lover's Concerto by The Toys. No idea. The movie we've talked about before, Mr. Holland's Opus. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's probably also a pretty good soundtrack. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, let's do... Just like Honey, the Jesus and the Mary Chain. No idea. So this this actually almost made my list. Lost in Translation. Ah, uh, good choice. 
Uh, sound of silence. Trolls? <laughs> Mrs. Robinson? It's also in Trolls. <laughs> okay. But you just saw The Graduate, sir. I know. And that's why I got stuck because I was like, wait, <laughs> The Graduate? No, but we said The Graduate couldn't be here because it was, okay. Um, let's do Man and Me by Bob Dylan. No idea. Big Lebowski. Oh, I looked at that one too. Uh, in your eyes. Uh, in your, I love that song. I love Peter. Oh, I don't know. Say anything. Oh, Which what an idiot. Sort of a pretty signature use of a song. That's the, I would argue one of the most. I Like if I had said, is, just close your eyes for a second. And what are you thinking about right now? You would have said, say anything. It might have given. I might have gotten there. This is hard, by the way. <laughs> yeah, very hard. Uh, this one's a really deep cut, so I don't think you'll get it. But "Crimson and Clover" by Tommy Jane's and the Shondells. I feel like I actually will know this, but it's bugging me. I don't have it at the tip of my tongues. So, "Pirate Radio." Okay, that's not there. If there's some other movie it's in that I can't remember. Yeah, probably. Now the sound, the song from this album that I love and this is in one of my favorite playlists is called "Song for Holly" by an artist named Estero that nobody's ever heard of because it's one of those mid-90s EDM kind of things. But the song that will give it away, I think, is Steal My Sunshine. By Len. This is a mid-90s movie? Late 90s, yeah. Is this like a a rom-com? No. It's Go. You've seen Go. You've seen Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why can't I think who's in that? That's not Claire Danes, right? No, someone like her. Yeah, Cause, cause it's one of those movies that I, I think we've all sort of forgotten about it and we shouldn't have because it was actually a fun, fun movie from yeah, I'm getting I'm getting that and the cover art of the mod squad confused. But I know they're not the same movie. Obviously, no, they're, they're definitely not. What you got next? Here's a, a dead giveaway. Stand by me by Ben King. I don't know. Is it the same album that every day by Buddy Holly, which is the very next one on my list is on? What's that one? Stand by me. Yeah, stand by me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first song on the album is every day. Oh, is it really? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'll give you another one. Then let's do, where did you go? Or where'd you go by the mighty, mighty Boston's? You guessed this earlier. Did I? I? I don't know right now. Clueless. Clueless. Okay. Yeah. Uh, playing with the boys, the, the least obvious, but yet still relevant song on an album that we should, th- I should have saved this for the last one. This was a terrible, terrible timing, terrible timing. Oh, I don't know now. It's also got some Kenny Loggins on it. Oh, Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sort of deserved an honorary spot in the list somehow. <laughs> you know what's funny? <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I, I literally did this. I went and looked and I'm like, we got to put this on here. And I made it like three songs in. And I was like, nope. <laughs> So I was doing the same and actually I was really excited for a moment because if you simply look up movie um, music in Top Gun, it's actually a phenomenal set of 80s music, but only like four of the good ones made it to the soundtrack. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Okay, I've got, I only have like two more. We can wrap this up. So I've got Heroes by David Bowie. This is a like almost a teenage coming of age movie from 2012. This is a hard one. From 2012? Uh it was a book. Super bad a, or something? I don't know. Yeah, it's a Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, okay. It's a very good, very good soundtrack, by the way. Yeah, I'll check yeah. it out. Man of Constant Sorrow. This was a this was from a soundtrack that almost made my list as well for totally different reasons. So hold on. Hold on. Doth does protest too much. So if this is O Brother Where Art Thou, 
It is. So, okay, so this purposely isn't on my list for this one because I think it belongs on the other list because I thought a lot of that was original music. Nope, they're all covers. All of them. Nothing new. I spent so much time weighing the soundtrack and going through it and going through it. I was like, oh, it doesn't quite make it for me. Oh, man. I might have. So if I had looked apparently at all hard at this and actually done the research instead of just assuming I was right, which I do far too often. Well, you're uh, usually right, JT. I don't, don't, don't feed the ego. I probably would have. This might have slid in to my top five because this is a great soundtrack. If you want to reuse this one for another purpose at another time, I'll allow it. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Okay, All that's right. a great that's a great I mean, one. I don't I don't really forgive your your quarter assed internet research. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's even that that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've got one here, which is uh, I think the song should be a good a dead giveaway. Don't you forget about me by Simple Minds. Breakfast Club. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I have one that's not a dead giveaway, and you might not even know the soundtrack exists, but because it, it, it's probably an '80s kid kind of thing. Uh, the song that I picked was "True Companion" by Donald Fagan. No, the soundtrack is from a movie called Heavy Metal, which I don't know if you've even heard of. It's this weird, weird animated movie from the '80s that I actually am going to tell you you have to watch. And I, it's not, I, I don't remember it well enough. It's, um, it's a bunch of animated bits. It's not. It's like a compilation narrative okay. fit it's weird i can't really explain it because especially because we're running low on time but it's yeah, uh, perfect it's, it's up your alley straight up let's let's put this this that's now officially on the i just watch list i'll watch it all right uh okay i've got here's kind of a wild one and you're not gonna get this one but it's uh by grandmaster kaz and chris stein it was actually it's called the wild style theme nothing it's from Wild Style, which is a movie Great. from 1983. This is one of the first movies that really kicked off uh, sort of the hip-hop movement. Got it. King of Wishful Thinking. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh. King of Wishful Thinking. Yeah, I don't have the movie. Big mistake. Big. Huge. Pretty Woman. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> blah, blah. Uh, okay, my last one. Actually, I just have a question about this. Yeah, go ahead. So Moulin Rouge. (laughs) So this is going to be a tease for our potentially doing original score stuff. So there's three or four songs on that that are clearly covers. And then there's a, well, who did Come What May originally then? Because I couldn't find it to save my life. Oh, yeah. No, that's fair. There are a couple of original songs. Because like clearly... Elton John, yeah. Nirvana, like it's a big list of like stuff that got covered, but there's a few that were like, like come right. what come what may is was written. That's an original score. It's true. So I didn't mm. know what to do with this one because it truly is a hybrid, right? Because it wouldn't it, have made yeah. my top five, but the your song version and the Nirvana version, even John Leguizamo's or the the guy who does Roxanne, the Tango right. did like Roxanne, so great. Right. Again, this is a movie that was ruined by Nicole Kidman. But otherwise, the soundtrack's actually a lot of fun. Fair enough. All right. What's your, do you got any more? I got one more and then remarks about three more. Uh, so the one more <laughs> is, uh, is uh, Hungry Eyes. Okay. The second one on the same list would be Time of My Life. Uh, uh, that's got to be, that's Dirty Dancing, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. 
which uh, time of my life is an original song, but all the rest are are, are covers. So, got it. I, uh, yeah, only one in there. Now, I, I just want to mention three soundtracks really quick that I, or actually, I guess two now. One of them you mentioned earlier that, that I really wanted in here. Uh, they were um, Cool Runnings, Say Anything, and Bo- The Bodyguard. Each of which, when I first started, were like these are movies soundtracks I have to put in here. But interestingly, when I went back to each one, basically had like one song maybe two and then after that it was just kind of not great better in memory sort of better set left all alone in my memory there yeah it's funny say anything i looked into and aside from missing the obvious one when i actually looked at the whole album i was like eh. i'm like there's better versions of this in other john like in john hughes films like breakfast club's a better album for sure right that was a good uh that was a good pong there sir that was fun look Listen, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but for me, this was, maybe because it's music again, other than the covers one, I have not had more contention in my own list where I was like, all of these, all, I just want all of them. I want to do this for all of them. Yeah. 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 What also, and the, la- the last thing I'll say on this list, what I thought was interesting is, I think the average Metacritic score of all the movies I picked was in the 70s. Hmm. Was it? I thought it was a little lower. No, man. Like even like high fidelity is. <laughs> I I get what you're saying, and I'm, pr- I'm choosing not to be offended by it. Rushmore's in '86, Pulp Fiction in '94, Juno in '81, Perks of Wallflowers '67, Clueless '68, Guardian '76, Stand by Me '75. Are you talking about your pong list or your whole list? I'm talking about everything. I'm just saying all inclusive. All right, fine. I'll give it to you. you yeah, no, list. my actual list is more in the, like the mid '60s. <laughs> nice. Dragged down aggressively. <laughs> By across the universe is 56, but that's okay. So now that we've wrapped Contenders Pong, what uh, what do you want to talk about next week, buddy? So I think this this one was great. We should go in a different direction. Uh, this one was kind of lighthearted and more fun. Now I think we should get back into the hardcore movie thing. Let's do top five movies based on a true story. Awesome. Now we're going to agree that it, it doesn't matter where the movie maker took the story because there are some looser interpretations than better interpretations, but it's based on the true story. Yeah. Just based on a true story. So I think right we can, on. we'll be as liberal. Listen, you're going to be liberal with it anyway. So we might as well just say that we're going to be liberal with it. <laughs> I love it. All right. Now we also have to pick, uh, I have two ready for you, sir. Uh, would you watch either FX which I think I've mentioned before. Yep. Or just one of the guys. Oh, I don't know what that is, but I'm interested in just one of the guys. Let's do just one of the guys. All right. We're going to have a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't, (laughs) now now the memories start flooding in. You know, I have this list basically, and I kind of try to keep it in like locked up in like a little lockbox in my back of my brain somewhere. But then the moment like it gets unlocked, it's like, oh, remember that? Oh, remember that? <laughs> but uh, I promise you this. Next week, I will not confuse this with another movie of a similar trope, despite the fact that there are many movies with a similar trope. That's a, Listen, I enjoyed this week's just fine. So uh, I'm fine with it. Well, that's good. Because I'll be honest, JT, it sort of left me in that melting into the floorboard kind of feeling. (laughs) Oh, what a horrible place to be, but what a lovely time we've had. Thanks for letting us be your wingman, everybody. (laughs) 